Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. And it's been a while. I, I got to be honest with you. I, I miss you guys a lot. Uh, just not doing a show for the past month. And and trust me, it's a good reason. I'm going to break down the, the full reason why I haven't been on. There hasn't been a new episode in a long time. This is episode uh, 81 last time I checked. And so much has happened. Uh, first, just to start off, and, you know, I, I have to put all the thanks in the world to everyone. It takes even a couple minutes, couple seconds just to listen to the show. Thank you. I may not have won the big award of uh, best show or bespoke at the Be Free Awards this year, but uh, I did walk away with an award. I, I did walk away with a uh, best feature segment for a podcast slash radio show. So, uh, I just want to say thank you for everyone for uh, showing support and just listening to the show. I mean, I love putting it together and, and I just love, you know, just talking about sports. This is my passion. This is something that I've always been uh, really committed to and just giving my take on it. Not not just my take, but the different forms of what's going on, whether it's an interview, whether it's a, a big event happening or just different viewpoints on the world of sports sports social so just thank you for that you know it's it's really a uh it's a blessing to be able to do this and do it on a consistent basis so that was one thing that was the uh, fifth annual be free awards and being able to go there dress up uh shout out to my friend molly who was my date for the night uh shout out to my other good friends uh sabrina and nye who uh, supported me there that night it was amazing. Um, the, the replays and the different, you know, features and everything. If you want to see it, you go to my Instagram. That's at Ed Easton Jr. I have uh, some of the video of the red carpet because your boy was looking a little fresh. Yes, I, I made sure, you know, I came correct, had a tux and everything set up. So it was a uh, it was a different experience for me. And I'm, I'm really blessed to just be able to uh, to say that I was you know a part of it. And I look forward to just more things from that. So I just want to say thank you to everyone who supported. It was a great night and I had a lot of fun. Also, with that being said, there have been some uh, changes now to the show. We are still in the middle of season three. We had a little break, but we're back every week as usual. And we're not just Brooklyn Free Speech Radio anymore. Yes, no, mind you, it's still Brooklyn Free Speech Radio, but what I mean is we are also available officially on iHeartRadio. So another thank you to everyone that's listening to the point that you can catch this show on iHeartRadio as well as the many other great programs from Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. It's been a, a, a great, just a great first year in regards of the station I know this is the third season of the show. We've been other places before, but I'm just really happy with our home here at Brooklyn Free Speech and now iHeartRadio and just what can happen in the future. So it's really a great feeling, a, a great time right now. And I'm just really just sharing thanks. That's what I'm doing a lot here in this opening monologue because I haven't spoken to you guys in about a month and it's it's just been a lot of changing. So this is a great day. Uh, we're going to actually have breaks that you're going to hear on the show from now on. And just some new adjustments, you know, more guests, of course, uh, some guys you may have may have heard of some, you know, celebrities, things of that nature. I'm not going to give too much away, but.
But I am going to tell you to make sure to follow me on social media at Ed Easton Jr., whether it's Twitter or Instagram, because I will forever give updates and just let you guys know what's going on. So this is what the show's about. For everyone that's listening for the first time, like I said, Sports Social, I like to have different people involved, like fan involvement in it. So today's episode, we have two fans who are actually former co-hosts for a show that I did a while back called Keeping a Real Sports. And they are going to share their thoughts on the NFL draft. That's the uh, New York Jets and New York Giants to keep it very local for everyone here in New York. They're going to give their take if they feel like the uh, Jets had a good draft, the Giants had a good draft, and we're just going to discuss it back and forth. Now, speaking of the NFL draft, for those that did watch, as usual, you know, there's this whole buildup to the first day. It's a three-day draft. They do Thursday night, which is just the first round. Then they do Friday night, and then they go right into uh, Saturday, which is like all day, just a full all-day uh, breakdown of the last couple of rounds. Just when you really, for anybody that really watches the draft, because I know a couple of people that watch it from the beginning to the end, you see so many different things in the coverage. Now, I watch it on ESPN. I watch it on ESPN every year. They had it on Fox Sports. They also had it on NFL Network, as usual. There's just but so many ways you could discuss a person being selected by a team. With that being said, Baker Mayfield, number one pick, goes to the Cleveland Browns. I'm surprised by this pick because you look at Cleveland, you look at the type of team that they're putting together, and they want to have good quality players, players that are not necessarily knuckleheads off the you know off the field or on the field. Mayfield reminds me so much of what Manziel, the big hype going in. He has the big arm, he he has the winning nature, but is the maturity there? That's that's really what everybody wants to know. When you talk about a guy like Baker Mayfield, yes, the guy can get it done on the field, but the antics. I mean, the guy was, you know, not you know, disrespecting another team on their field with the flag and just the, the different antics he has uh, shown over the last couple, over the last year or two. I'm surprised that they went him number one and not Sam Darnold. Now, Saquon Barkley, who went to the New York Giants at number two, he made it kind of pretty, pretty clear that he's not interested in being in Cleveland. And uh, he was a local guy, wants to play for the Giants. That was almost a, a done deal. As a Giants fan, I'm okay with it. He's a top player in the draft, realistically. And I understand he want to go with the whole running back situation. I'm going to talk with Stan Talouise, who gave his whole thoughts on the Giants. He's a super fan, as you know. And we're going to break that whole thing down and just see what else the Giants are looking to do. Not only, the, you know, from selecting what they had in the draft, but just building this team because this team underachieved. There was injuries. I get it. Odell Beckham, is he going to be here? Is he not going to be here? Well, he's back. Odell Beckham Jr. is back. He will be starting to get a wide receiver. Let's let's just end all that speculation. Then you move on to the New York Jets, who had the number three pick. And they pick who I feel like a guy that could have gone number one to Cleveland and Sam Darnold. Darnold, a very, very talented quarterback out of USC. I think the guy is pro-ready. Now, the Jets and Jets fans, I should say, are very critical when it comes to quarterbacks out of USC a.k.a. Uh, Mark Sanchez, the Sanchez, Mr. Butt Fumble, 
that always is going to pop into your mind. Uh, Claude LaRoche, he's a huge Jets fan. I'm going to speak with him regarding his thoughts on taking Bradford as well as some other picks late in the draft. The Jets had three six-round picks. And uh, I was very curious to see how they were going to handle it, where they're going to address the wide receiver situation. Go discuss all of that. So interesting uh, setup from that. Uh, I'm just thinking about the different uh, surprises that took place during this draft. And the first thing that pops into my mind is the fact that a lot of teams didn't address certain issues. I really, the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm going to put it out there, they cut Des Bryant about two weeks ago. They were left without a big game wide receiver. They have these little wide receivers that can, you know, do things like Cole Beasley and all that. And I get that. But you don't have a marquee wideout. So they decided to trade one of their draft picks for Tavon Austin of the uh, Los Angeles Rams. And I can't help but think, I'm like, Tavon Austin, he's a good player. But is he a guy that you're going to really look at to be your number one quarterback? I'm sorry, wide receiver? Look at me. I'm so excited at the prospect of Dallas making a mistake here that I made my own mistake. But do you really want to see Tavon Austin as your number one if you're a Cowboys fan? I'm I'm just curious, you know, like, are you proud of that? Is that, that really the, the replacement for Des Bryant? And speaking of Des Bryant, where does he go? Are the Giants still a realistic option? I just don't know what team goes and says, you know, Des Bryant, he's a guy, he has problems with separation, you know, at the line, he's lost a step, all these different things. What team does he really fit into? That's going to be interesting moving forward. Uh, You got the drama now with the New England Patriots. It seems to be like an an, an annual thing. Gronk, was he going to retire? Now Gronk says he's coming back. Uh, Tom Brady wants a new contract or does he want to leave? It's it's different things. Him and Belichick, are they on the same page? It's just a lot of question marks going forward onto that whole squad. But at the end of the day, you know they're going to be in the Super Bowl. They're going to be fine. People are still waiting for that that just that full full like breakdown. That's what everyone wants when it comes to the New England Patriots. You know, they've been so dominant. They've done all the different things to keep their franchise just uh, steady and and strong. They want to see those kinks in the armor. Tom Brady's in his 40s. He still wants to play. The guy's still amazing. But how long will he play? Who's the successor? Jimmy G's old in, in, you know, he's a 49er. The guy's the franchise there. What happens moving forward if you are the New England Patriots? That, that, that's the big question. And I don't know if they addressed that in the draft. Because they, they trade out of their picks so often I don't think they even tried to address it. Maybe Belichick is just saying, hey, let's just get what we can get, what we can get now, and that's it. Because you've got to think a rebuild is somewhere along those lines. It's, it's just realistic at this point. So, like I said, this is going to go through the Giants and the Jets. Um, just see what these teams are going to do. Because I honestly believe the Giants are going to struggle again next year. As much as I love Saquon Barkley, I think he's going to be amazing I still see there being holes in the team. Uh, I really enjoy their fourth-round pick, which I'm going to go deep into discussion later. Uh, The New York Jets are going to struggle as well, but I like the fact that they have a franchise quarterback 
in in Brad, you know, in um Darnold. I'm sorry, I was gonna say Bradford. Hackerberg is not it. Petty's just not it. McCown is a guy is a good transition guy. He's about to be forty, I believe. You know, he's up there in age. You got Robbie Anderson. You have options out there. So I can see the Jets building something slowly. Slowly building something here. But, you know, if you're just Jets you got to be patient. It's not going to happen overnight. Just keep that in mind. And uh, also keep this in mind. I want to remind everybody to check out SportsSocialPod.com. Being updated, adding all the interviews and you know, extra clips and things that you may have missed from the past couple seasons so you guys can check it out. And uh, as always, at Ed Easton Jr., I got to remind you on Twitter and Instagram. So with that being said, I'm going to step aside and take a break. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio as well as iHeartRadio for many users out there iHeartRadio now combines your favorite radio stations plus your on-demand music collection all in one app. iHeartRadio All Access now allows you to take your music collection offline to listen anywhere without a connection or using data. From the My Music Pivot, tap on a playlist you want to take offline. Toggle to Offline. Indicators will fill in seconds, showing when your tracks and playlists are available offline. Radio plus unlimited music all in one app. How you guys doing? Saquon Barkley, running back for the New York Giants. Um, just so happy to be part of New York Giants. Is, is this when you started this whole long draft process and kind of sense where teams were in the board and everything? Did you always get a sense that this is where you were going to land? Yeah, I mean, you really never know where you're going to go, uh, obviously, because you see every all the reports on social media and everything. But uh, personally, on my visit here, I kind of fell in love with this place. Um, obviously, I came from Penn State, and the reason why I chose Penn State is the history and tradition there uh, and the networking, obviously. But with the football side, um, you walk in this building, and the first thing you see is four Lombardi trophies. And right then and there, it just shows you the expectation that this place and the standard. And as a football player, you got to love that. And then obviously me and the coaches, the GMs and the owners and everyone, uh, just feeling very comfortable with them, having great conversations. Uh, this is where I want to end up. Uh, obviously, throughout the draft process, I was not allowed to say that. Um, you got to kind of be mutual because you never know what can happen. Uh, but right now, it's an ideal situation for me with my family, uh, staying close to home, coming back home. Uh, I was born in New York um, and be able to play for New York Giants. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's truly an honor. Yeah, uh, that's that's something that you, you strive to do, uh, especially that's a, a goal I set for myself at Penn State. Uh, walking in the, the building, you see all the pitchers and the great running backs, and you see the same thing here. Uh, when I went to go meet with Coach uh, Johnson, uh, the running back coach, the first thing you see on, a, on the running back wall is all the great running backs and the Tiki Barbers on the world, and uh, that's what you strive to do. That's what you want to be great, and obviously it's not going to happen in one day. you got to work for it, and it's going to take a, a long road up that mountain, but you got to take it step by step. Well, what about your skill set? Um, makes you the most confident that you'll see your picture on that wall one day? 
uh, I won't say my skill set because it's a talented league. You know, everyone's talented in the league, and I think at a young age, uh, the the mental part of the game, uh, my mentality towards the game, and my approach towards towards the game, it was going to help separate me. And you know, it's going to be a lot of things thrown your way and thrown your face, but you got to keep that mentality and keep that focus. And uh, I, I love football, and I'm passionate about the game, and I truly think if I can keep that mindset uh, and the work ethic that that I had in college and I had my whole life, uh, the rest will take care of itself. Ron, you said the other day on, our, on the call with us that you had an opportunity to meet Odell, you had an opportunity to speak with Eli Manning. Can you share any advice that they might have given you as you get you know, prepared to start your career here? Yeah, I got to meet Eli here. Um, Eli actually texted me uh, right after uh, I got announced I was drafted and uh, just saying congratulations and you know if I ever never ever need anything um, he's here for me and you know that's that's something you admire out of a guy especially as a young guy coming to the league uh, a young back you got a guy who's been in the league 15 years plus um, and been doing the right way you definitely can learn from him and uh, Odell uh, been a very good friend of mine I started training with him in LA and uh, he's he's been he's been great to me uh, kind of like a bigger brother to me actually um, uh, he kept telling me he wish he learned, he wish he knew the things he knew now uh, at my age and you know I'm gonna learn from the great things he did and the mistakes that he made and try to improve on myself and make myself a better person and a better player for this for this franchise. Anything in particular though he said that kind of got your attention that, that you thought wow you know I didn't have to deal with this at Penn State and now I may have to deal with that here? Uh, nothing in particular that, that really sticks in my mind. Just uh, general knowledge that he was giving me, uh, obviously, with the, the, the life of being a, a New York Giant and uh, being a well-known franchise and uh, being the media and the New York media in the spotlight uh, and just how to handle yourself and uh, what not to do and what to do. And uh, just kind of little little tips there. And um, there's other great guys in this, this facility and this locker room that I look forward to learn to uh, learn from, uh, especially a guy like Jonathan Stewart um, as a young back, learn from him. Uh, he's been in the NFL for a very long time, and uh, I can't wait to pick his brain also. One of the phrases that we hear about you, heard about you coming in here, the face of the franchise, face of the league, things like that. How do you define that? What, what, what do you see as the, as the definition of the face of something? Um, I think the the face of the franchise is, is kind of how you take it, and um, I've known that's been I know that's been said about me, and that's been said about me in college with State College at, at college with Penn State, uh, but I think it's kind of how you view it. Um, I really never view myself as as that. Uh, if that come alongs with uh, the things that I'm doing, uh, then then so be it. But uh, the way I kind of handle that is just continue to stay focused and the sport and continue to stay focused on football and, and focus on my family and the things that get you there. But uh, the face of the franchise, um, you know, when you have success, uh, that tag comes along. Uh, that's how I kind of view it. Um, the, the more success you have, the more attention, the more spotlight comes to your name and uh, they kind of tag you with that. Uh, but that's not something that I'm really looking forward to be. Uh, if that happens, uh, God willing, I have a lot of success and that comes to the territory, then so be it. But the thing I'm focused on right now is just really coming in as a rookie, getting the playbook, learning the playbook, learning from the older guys, learn how to lead at a young age. Uh, that's something that's a, ch that's a challenge for me, and I know I've been challenged by the coaches here uh, that I look forward to, um, and just continue to get right every single day and get better every single day. You are the number two pick. You're, you're in New York. You're in a big market. There's going to be a lot of people pulling at you. Do, what's your general approach of how, how you want to handle that and, and all the opportunities that are going to come your way? I mean, well-known guy, uh, number two pick with the Giants. Yeah, the, the first first thing, the way you handle that that situation is your circle. Uh, keep your circle small and keep your circle tight and uh, realize the, the people that was with you along the way that got you to this point. And right now, that's my family. 
uh, my family, my brothers and sisters, my mother and father, uh, and my, my, my kid on the way, not on the way, the kid's here now, uh, Jada's here, uh, so used to saying on the way, um, but my family, keep my family close and uh, keep my team, uh, my management, my management company and my, uh, my agency slash marketing company with Rock Nation and uh, GoPoint, uh, continue to have a, a strong approach, but understand that the, the most important thing is football. Uh, at the end of the day, you got to take care of that and all the other stuff is just distractions. And uh, if it becomes distractions, I won't do it. Um, you can ask my agent, you can ask my marketing guy, you can ask anyone uh, when it comes to me. If, if it had anything to do with distracting me from training with football, I, I just wouldn't do it. Uh, I had I would approach a lot doing, NF, uh, doing the combine and doing the NFL draft and prepping all that, and I denied a lot. Um, but the main thing is keep your circle tight, keep a great team, which I believe I have and I know I have, and um, continue to stay focused on football. Yeah, I, I don't think it hit me yet. Still, um, it's uh, hits me a little bit. Uh, like I walked into the locker room and I saw the 26 jersey and the Barkley jersey, and I was like, "Wow!" Like I'm actually a New York Giant. And, uh, I still still got a lot of time to let it hit me. I think it'll actually probably hit me when I get here for a rookie mini camp and see all the guys and actually put that jersey on and take the field. Uh, but right now, it's just a surreal moment that I haven't even got time to really cope the whole thing. When you look at the team that Dave Gettleman's building, adding Soldier, adding Hernandez yesterday, what do you look forward to most about being part of the offense? Yeah, uh, this offense is amazing. Um, this is a very talented offense. Uh, you got an established quarterback, a uh, proven quarterback with two Super Bowl wins, uh, two Super Bowl MVPs. Uh, you got one of the best wide receivers in, in the NFL, if not the best, in my opinion, personally, I think so. Uh, and then that young wide receiving core, and then adding Will Hernandez and uh, Nate Soldier to the offensive line, and uh, myself. Um, God willing, I think if I could have the success that I had in college football, um, I think I would fit perfect uh, in this offense. And, um, you know, but right now, the way I see myself is coming in, learning from the guy from the older guys and lead at a young age, uh, getting a playbook and take it day by day. Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr., we are back. And I had to bring the guy on. Listen, we just had this crazy NFL draft. You guys know I'm a huge Giants fan, so even though we did talk a little Jets earlier, I'm a huge Giants fan, and i got to bring a guy who's probably the biggest Giants fan. I'm putting all the pressure on him right now, Mr. Stan Talloway. Stan, how are you doing today? No pressure at all, man. I'm, I'm doing good. All right, stand out. I know you were watching like I was, waiting to see what the Giants were going to do at number two. It was all yeah. these, you know, speculation. Are they going to get a quarterback? Are they going to go, you know, defensive linemen, offensive linemen? There's just a million different things out there. But they settled on Barkley. And I'm okay with it. Now, I want to get your thoughts on it because you were watching like everybody else and you were prepping your own, like, mock drafts as well. What are your thoughts on the number two pick being Barkley? Um. First off, look, I like Barkley a lot. I do. I think he's uh, one of the best players in this draft. I thought that coming in, he was worthy of the number two overall pick. But he was worthy of the number one overall pick. I mean, we saw the combine what Edway did. We saw the production of Kent State. That being said, I don't agree with the pick. Um, and it's not so much a problem with the position or anything like that. The positional value is 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 there. It's the economic value that people are missing. When you look at a guy like Barkley, he's coming in right now as the fourth highest paid NFL uh, running back, the fourth highest paid. I mean, you look at, um, you know, Ezekiel Elliott is, the, like, the second or third highest paid. It's not so much that they're not worth it, but if you don't win the Super Bowl in the first in the guy's first first five years, you know, that becomes a bit of, a, of an issue. 
And it's just the way the draft is set up. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's going to be difficult to justify uh, drafting a guy number two overall when you have to pay him so much at a position where you can pay somebody half as much for the same production. Um, again, like I said, I like the pick, but I would have rather had Bradley Chubb at that point. So you would automatically go on defense. Is this is this something that you're saying off of like a reaction to the trading of JPP or or is there no, anything no, more no. to that? No, no, it's 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 got nothing to do with that really. I I did I did like Bradley Chubb. I like Saquon Barkley more than Bradley Chubb coming out. I think uh, Chubb is um, at that position more of a, a of a premium position because defensive ends don't come around as often as running backs do, despite how talented Barkley might be. If you look at it, in five years, uh, when we're looking at um, how these guys uh, pan out, uh, Bradley Chubb is going to give you 10 to 15 sacks a year, and he's going to be underpaid for what he, for the production. Um, same thing with a quarterback. Uh, quarterbacks getting, getting drafted this high, for the first five, six years of their career, they're crazy underpaid, whereas a running back, if you take number two overall, by the time they get to their their fifth-year option, and even if you you hold on to their rights for, you know, six years or whatever it is, by the time his second contract comes around, it's going to be more than what it is now. So you're looking at paying possibly, you say, one Barkley in five, six years, uh, 15 to $17 million a year for a running back, and that's crazy. How do you keep that player? despite how talented he is. That's the problem that the Steelers are having with Le'Veon Bell right now. They've had him on the cheap for so long, and now that he wants to get paid long-term, it's difficult to do so because the running back market is so in, so out of flux. Okay, now, I, I you know, I totally get that whole part of it. Now, when you just look at Barkley himself as a player, because he's already come out and said, you know, I hate all the, the talk about, oh, a running back should be taking this high and all these different things. Do you think this adds a little more fuel to that fire? Because, you know, have a little chip on his shoulder to say, let's prove all these naysayers wrong, that a running back shouldn't be taken in the top five? I hope it does. I mean, it's it's. I think he's looking at it the wrong way. It's not that running backs shouldn't be taken this high because they're not worthy of being taken this high. It's that running backs shouldn't be taken this high because the positional value and the economic value don't match up. I think that's an issue that the NFL needs to work out with uh, with these rookie contracts. Um, they're a lot better now than they used to. Trust me. But that being said, uh, I hope I hope it does motivate him because it's going to be difficult to uh, justify paying a guy, you know, that much money if he doesn't have the on-field value. Uh, if he comes out and rushes for you know, 1,500 yards and, and you know, double-digit touchdowns every year for the next, you know, 10 years, then, you know, I'm fine with it. But at the same time, it's like, it's just, it's it's a tough, it's a, the business makes it tough to justify what happens on the field. I, I, I still, I think Bradley, I think Barkley is a great pick. I think, um, I think he fits in perfectly. Um, the offensive line is improved. Not by a whole lot, but it's it's better than, it's better now than it was a week ago. Um, I'm 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 just hopeful. Okay, okay. So this hope there, you know, let's see if the guy actually pans out long term. That's always going to be a question, as everyone will have. 
But uh, moving on with the draft, you look at round two, the Giants finally decide to address the offensive line. Will Hernandez, now we spoke um, previously in regards to this, and you were happy with this pick. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Will Hernandez was a guy that I I was thinking could could have gone as high as 21 or 22. Um, I... At one point, I was thinking maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to trade out of the number two spot with Buffalo, you know, get, uh, you know, pick up some extra picks. We could have probably get, gotten somebody at 12 of some value. But uh, getting, you know, looking at maybe Isaiah Wynn or Will Hernandez, um, where, where where he would have been at 21, 22 in the, in the early, in the mid to late first round. But the fact that we got him in the second round is tremendous value. I think the guy especially if you look at his combine, you look at his, his tape, he's easily the second best uh, interior lineman coming out of this year's draft. Um, he's just, he, he, he's, he's smart, he's big, he's, he's a mauler, he, lo- he loves contact, he, he will open up holes for the running game. Um, so now you look at an offensive line where you've got Nate Solder, you've got Will Hernandez, uh, the rest of the offensive line could be, could, you know, could be better. I don't know what they're going to do with Eric Flowers just yet. Um, they were talking about trying to trade him. Um, it doesn't seem like he wants to move to right tackle um, or inside to guard. Um, and I do think we need an upgrade uh, at the other guard spot. I mean, I don't know where they're going to play um, some of these other guys, but, you know, I, I think it's vastly improved now than it was a week ago. Okay, and then obviously move on to the third round. The Giants address the defensive side of the ball. They go Lorenzo Carter, outside linebacker out of Georgia, and they also go with B.J. Hill out of NC State, defensive tackle. Anything that you can say about both of those guys? Absolutely. Uh, Lorenzo Carter is a, is a freak. He's an athletic freak. I think he'll slide right in as, as a pass rusher, um, replacing um, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. I think, um, you know, the the linebacker position is some something we've always has always been sort of a bugaboo for the Giants, um, but I think the addition of Alec Ogletree in the off season, um, Ray Ray Armstrong as, at inside linebacker means that you know with Carter on the outside rushing the passer and you know whoever else they're going to put on the on the opposite side on I would say probably uh, I would say Lorenzo Carter is probably going to be the weak side linebacker there, the weak side pass rusher. Um, and then you got the Sam linebacker on the other side, whoever, whoever that's going to be, um, which is why I was I was pounding the table for Bradley Chubb. But um, I think now that the Giants are moving to a to a three four, I think Carter can just be unleashed and let let loose. It's, uh, right, I, I meant uh, uh, Olivier Vernon. That's that's what we're talking about. So um, I like the idea of Carter and, and Vernon on the outsides. Armstrong and and Alec Ogletree and and a bit of a rotation on the inside, and as far as B.J. Hill goes, I mean I watched the guy for uh, two years uh, at Clemson because you know being a Miami fan, you watch the entire ACC. Um, people are gonna say that B.J. Hill, B.J. Hill's production came a lot from you know other teams watching for Bradley Chubb, um, but B.J. Hill on his own right is is a beast. He's very good. Um, that entire Clemson D, I'm, I'm sorry, NC State D line um, is 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 really good. I mean, who did I, I, I? There was somebody else that I was, I was thinking of. Sorry, uh, the, the Clemson D line mm-hmm. is, is pretty good too. Um, that being said, uh, one guy that you didn't mention is R.J. McIntosh, who I saw a lot of at the University of Miami. 
Um, RJ McIntosh is uh, he's a guy who who's got a good motor. He's not the most productive, but uh, when he's motivated, he can be a very good defensive tackle. And I think he'll get some some time uh, uh, in rotation at D line. Yeah, he's definitely he's the last pick they took uh, around five, number one thirty nine. And uh, let's go to the other player that uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about, but I was probably the most excited about when the Giants took him in the, in the fourth round, Kyle Laletta from uh, Richmond, quarterback. This guy I've heard about for a while, and, uh, you know, I've I've seen, like, little different things about him. They had him ranked on different boards as the fourth-best quarterback in the draft. Uh, his biggest knock is that he is from Richmond, and it's not really a big college, you know, uh, college football program, so a lot of people say the competition won't be up there. But I've seen different things from him. I've seen some tape from him. Uh, I've actually read, he put out an uh, a article for the Players' Tribute, you know, basically trying to plead out to teams how good he is. And uh, for me personally, I like when I see a player just go out and try to prove themselves over and over again. I feel good about this pick. I want to know how do you feel about it. I like it a lot. Um, I do. Uh, you're right about the about the, about the the open letter to, uh, to the GM and, and the Players' Tribune. Um, the thing about Lawletta, you know, the knock on him as well is, is you know, his arm. He doesn't have a strong arm, um, but he makes all the throws that he needs. He all that he needs to make. I think he can adjust to any playbook, any scheme uh, that any that, that that an offensive coordinator can can uh, can throw at him. If you go back to uh, highlights of him in the Senior Bowl, he outplayed a lot of the guys that were drafted ahead of him, including Baker Mayfield, including Josh Allen. And this not in the game. I'm talking about in practice. He outplayed a lot of these guys. Now, I'm not saying he's better than them. If he was, he'd be drafted a lot higher. That being said, I think um, he's in a perfect opportunity to compete for the number two job with the Giants. And, you know, if Eli Manning hangs it up after the 2019 season, you know, Loletta should be able to slide right in. Um, if Eli Manning, you know, gets an extension after 2019, depending on how he plays, you know, he could still, you know, stay there and learn. Um, personally, I don't like Davis Webb. I just don't think – I don't like uh, these quarterbacks that come from uh, air raid offenses, like what he like he was at Texas Tech and at Cal. Lawletta, you know, has played in a bunch of different systems. He's played – but he's mostly a pro-style a pro style quarterback. And I, I, uh, I think, uh, you know, this new coaching staff – Installing the, the, the uh, a sort of West Coast offense, uh, a more refined West Coast offense, I think fits into Lala's um, um, strengths. Okay, see now, obviously we feel good about Laletta as the uh, selection of fourth round. My last question, um, well, besides getting to the Giants' grade, do you feel like this calms a lot of people's nerves about getting a successor for Eli, you know, because everyone kept saying no, maybe they should have taken not. some of those big quarterbacks. You don't think so? Yeah, I think, I think, I, I think, I think, it, I don't think, I don't think people are going to, when you look at it, what people are going to say over and over again, and you're never going to stop hearing this, is that when are the Giants ever going to be in a position to take a quarterback that high again? The Giants haven't had a top five pick since 2004 when we took Eli Manning. So when you think about it, you know, it was such a rare opportunity. People are always going to say, well, you should have taken Rosen, you should have taken Allen, you should have taken Darnold. Because once the Browns made that mistake of taking Baker Mayfield, you know, I'm not even going to call it a mistake because it could work out for them, but I think it was a mistake. Once the Browns did that, that opened the door for the Giants to take 
any quarterback they wanted because from jump it didn't seem like they wanted Baker Mayfield at all. So if, you know, it doesn't really work out, we don't win a Super Bowl because, you know, with these guys or anything like that, or if Eli Manning doesn't play well and you've got to force uh, an opportunity to play uh, Loletta or Webb, people are going to say, well, you know, you should have taken Darnold or you should have taken Allen or you should have taken whoever. Um, And, you know, not to get too far ahead of myself, but next year's quarterback class isn't that impressive to me just yet. Right now the number one quarterback coming out next year is Drew Locke from Missouri, and I'm not that impressed with him. So, you know, in a year from now we could be talking about – it could be totally different, but I'm not excited about next year's quarterbacks. Um, And, you know, a lot. If you have an opportunity to take a franchise quarterback, you just—it's difficult to pass on it, especially when you do, when you don't know what the future holds and you don't know if you're going to be drafting that high ever again. Okay, now final question: Gettleman first first draft as the GM, will you give him? What's his grade? Well, uh, I got to give him a B. Um, like I said, I. I'm not in love with the Barkley pick because it just it, the, the the economic value isn't um, despite how good the player is. It's, it's a lot of pressure on Barkley to be superhuman. Um, I love the Will Hernandez pick. I love the Carter pick. I love I like B.J. Hill. I like Loletta. I like R.J. McIntosh. I I like everything they did. Um, even if you think about it, you know they even sort of drafted a punter when they traded. Uh, the seventh overall, the, the seventh round pick for a punter. So, I like everything they did. I I, I do. I I got it. I it's the homer in me wants to give him an A minus, but I mean I think I, that's too that's too much. I I'm going to give him a B, maybe a B plus at the most. All right, that's fair enough. I, I gave him a B plus. You know, obviously, I'm, I, maybe it's because I'm gushing too much over uh, the quarterback in the fourth round, but you know that's just me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dan, as always, thank you very much, man. You give the best when it comes to the New York Giants that uh, a lot of people are now going to be thinking twice about in regards to Barkley being a number two pick. So uh, thank yeah, you again, man. Listen, it's, it's, sometimes you just got to be realistic with your own team. I, I, I hope it works out. I hope the guy rushes for 2,000 yards every year for the next 15 years. Uh, I hope he you know, <laughs> finishes his career. I hope he finishes his career with the best running back of all time. I'm just concerned with what's it going to – down the road, in the future, in in five, six years, when we have to re-sign him, what's it going to be? Okay. Well, it's definitely going to be something to look forward to. Like I said, Stan, thank you very much. Follow him on Twitter, at FunnyManStan. That is on Twitter and Instagram, at FunnyManStan. Until next time. Thanks. Bye. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go, fish dad. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. I think going in there, uh, not knowing what was going to happen and being able to talk to all the draftees that were also in there, um, it relaxed me a little bit. And... Then knowing, you know, the decision that Cleveland made and then the Giants and then now the Jets were on the clock and getting that phone call, um, you know, it changed my life. Um, I know it's going to change my life. 
And, you know, I'm, I'm very confident here that we're going to win some games. Um, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to be here for a long time. What did you think when the Jets were on the clock at three as far as Darnold or Rosen? <laughs> I was just waiting for that phone call. Uh, that's all I was thinking about. Um, I know there are a lot of great quarterbacks in that room. Um, me, Lamar, uh, both Josh's as well. Uh, but I was just really focused on, you know, again, you know, it's kind of cliche, but just focusing on my job, you know, picking up that phone once it rings and, uh, you know, just having fun with it. When you visited with them, I think you the last visit. Did you think here? Yeah, you know, I had a great feeling coming out. Um, you know, once I left this place, I had an amazing feeling meeting the coaches, meeting some of the players that were here, um, and then meeting the front office as well. Um, I had an amazing feeling, and it was just you know, really cool the way it all worked out. Sam, Josh Rosen was pretty ticked off that he dropped as far as he didn't. I mean, you obviously didn't fall nearly as far, but uh, motivated by the fact that two teams passed you up? Um, no, I mean, I'm just, I'm going to continue to be myself. Um, I'm going to work, you know, as hard as I'm going to work. Um, I've always been a really hard worker. Um, my parents and my sister set a great example for me on, you know, how to work hard. And whether I'm pick number one or the last pick in the draft or undraft, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work my tail off no matter what. Sam, for the last year or so, you've had critics, analysts, all that guys dissect your game and, and rip you apart about why they think you can be a franchise quarterback, why they don't think you can be a franchise quarterback. But you personally, why do you feel that you have what it takes to be the next great quarterback in the NFL? Right. I think, well, first of all, I'm just going to come in and be myself. Um, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to do my job, whatever that job is. Um, whatever the coaches ask of me, I'm going to do that um, to the best of my ability. Sam, with that in mind, a lot of your teammates at USC talk about your sarcastic, funny sense of humor. <laughs> and on the field, it's, it's very stoic. Um, where do those two sides come from, and how do you kind of turn the switch on and off? Yeah, well, I think it's just important to realize. Um, and off the field, you know, I'm, I'm very sarcastic, as they say, and I'm, I'm a funny dude, but at the same time, it's I know... Um, and that's, that wasn't meant to be, you know, cocky or anything, but, you know, I think, uh, just my personality off the field, it's, it is what it is, but at the same time, when I'm on the field, I know exactly what needs to get done, uh, and I'm just going to continue to be myself in that regard. Sam, obviously, when you're at USC, you know, you were with peers, guys who are your kind of age, um, coming here, if they ask you to be the starter in year one, you're going to be a 21-year-old guy kind of having to be a, the leader of guys who in some cases are almost a decade older than you. How, how do you, how would you expect to kind of go through that dynamic? You know, I've, I've been saying it a lot, but I'm just going to be myself. Um, when I was at SC, I kind of got thrown in the mix as a redshirt freshman, um, you know, after being a backup for a few games or for a couple games and then all of a sudden being the starter, um, you know, going into the coach's office on Monday. And being named the starter, it was, you know, working with the ones and going in that huddle and being able to tell, you know, those veteran senior guys, um, this is the play, this is what we need to do, and just being confident in myself. Um, so, again, I'm just going to be myself and be very confident. After your, what are your early impressions of Jeremy Bates and his system? Um, he's amazing. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, I really like Coach Bates um, and what he's doing with his system, but I also like the way he teaches. Um, I was able, on my visit here, to just in a meeting with him for a couple hours and just talk ball and it was really good to be able to talk with him about that um, about his system but also get get a feel for how he coaches and I really like it that Rose Bowl kind of put you in the national spotlight for everyone and, and really kind of made you the face of this draft 
playing an entire season like that with everyone, do you think that's prepared you in a way for, for being in New York and, and, and this spotlight? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, uh, I think any, any situation that you're in, um, any lessons that you might learn, especially from a loss or in my case, if I turn the ball over or if something bad happens, I learn from it. Um, you know, in my opinion, it's not a loss, it's a lesson. And that's how I look at everything. Um, and even the expectations from last year and being able to play, um, you know, relatively well throughout this last season, um, you know, I think it just, it was another, you know, kind of learning tool, um, I guess you could say, in terms of my growth and my maturity. Yeah, this franchise uh, obviously hasn't won a Super Bowl since long before you were born. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> would, would, would you deem anything other than winning a Super Bowl a success for you in your career here? Um, yeah, I mean, I think winning a Super Bowl is everyone's goal. Um, entering a season, whether you know, I'm whether I'm a backup or whether I'm starting quarterback, um, everyone on the team wants to win a Super Bowl. Um, that's the goal for everyone. You know, if anything short of that is a failure, and we're, we're aware of that. Um, everyone's aware of that. Um, and whatever my role is, I'm going to star in that role to work us towards that Super Bowl. Just as a little bit of housekeeping for fans that are looking to buy your jersey, are you going to be number 14? <laughs> Not sure yet. I haven't discussed that. What are your experiences in this part of the country? Uh, I believe your sister goes to Rhode Island. Go Rhodey. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> She's a Rhodey Ram. So yeah. uh, your experience, how often were you in this part of the country? And being from San Clemente, acclimating yourself to this uh, region, the Northeast region. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've actually I've only visited her once when I was a sophomore in high school. So and I loved it um, during the winter as well, and I loved the cold. So uh, <laughs> no, it was it was really fun to be able to come out here and visit with her with with my family as well. Um, but yeah, she's she's told me all about you know the seasons and everything, and it's been really fun just you know learning from her experience and. Um, understanding a little bit of what it's going to be like out here. You've gotten a chance to talk to Josh McCown since yeah. the Jets drafted. And what, how did that go? What, what, you kind of, what was his message to you? I mean, you could be his, you were literally old enough to be his child. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I know. So, yeah, Josh texted me. Um, he was just like, hey, if you need anything, I'm, I'm here. Just let me know if, you know, whatever you need, I'm here for you. Basically, is that, that's all he said. And, um, you know, it's cool. Being able to train with Jordan Palmer this offseason, he had a year in Chicago with Josh and was just saying so many great things about him, the genuine guy that he is, um, you know, what everyone says about Josh. So I'm just looking forward to um, getting to know him a little bit more and, and learning from him. You, I assume you kind of had a chance to interact with Josh Allen quite a bit throughout this pre-draft process. Did you guys talk at all yesterday when he went to Buffalo and the fact you know, if things go well, you guys will be facing each other twice a year in the next <laughs> decade or so? Yeah, yeah, we were joking, uh, you know, who's going to have the better record after, you know, 20 years. So uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, we might go 20-20. Uh, and 20. So, uh, um, but no, he was just, you know, it was all smiles. We were, you know, just really excited uh, about the whole night last night. Um, but, you know, we know that we're going to have to face each other twice a year. Um, and we were joking, you know, we might jersey swap that first time. We might not. So uh, we were thinking about that. But, uh, no, Josh is a great guy. And, um, I'm actually really looking forward to playing him uh, twice a year. Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back, and now I have probably one of the biggest Jets fans I've ever met, Mr. Claude LaRoche. He's a lawyer. He is everything. He loves the Jets for some reason. I'm, I'm a hater, so I'm just going to always just throw out my random oh. hate at the Jets. 
But <laughs> I'm allowed. You know, I had the Giants. I already had the Giants. I had Stan on earlier. Stan already talked about the Giants. And now I'm going to give Claude the floor to talk about the Jets and their draft. And honestly, I have to be a little jealous. I do like Darnold. Sam Darnold is their pick. What are your thoughts on him being the number three pick and possibly the new quarterback of the Jets? Um, so I have to admit that at first I was a little disappointed, um, but I've come to my senses. I mean, Sam Darnold was the number one quarterback on the board for many scouts, and I'd be wrong to say that he isn't a good quarterback. I guess my real issue with Sam Darnold was earlier in the season, he was avoiding the Jets like the plague and didn't want to play for us is what it seemed like. And all his statements that he made against the Jets made it seem like um, he just didn't want to be here. But now that he is here, I'm happy. Um, I do think that Mike McCagnan did have a low-key draft. There are a lot of raw talent in this draft that he picked up. And um, guys that I do believe will be able to have an impact later on in their careers. Maybe not right away, but definitely guys to look out for. Okay, now obviously Darnold is a USC guy. And the last time you guys drafted a quarterback out of USC, um, what was his name again? Let me see. Um, Mark Sanchez. Uh, the, the Sanchez. <laughs> Mark Sanchez, yes. Are, are there any fears, knowing that this is another USC guy and they always seem to rave that these guys are going to be, like, pro-ready, they're, you know, they're going to be these top-tier quarterbacks because of where they played in college. Is there any fear that's going to be the same type of situation with Darnold? Um, I generally am apprehensive of USC quarterbacks. One thing that we find out about USC quarterbacks is that they play with the best talent. And this is no different for uh, Darnold. I mean, he did have good wide receivers, good running back in um, Ronald Jones, good offensive line. And he's coming into a situation where he won't necessarily have all those weapons readily available for him to succeed. Um, and, I feel like it's the same thing that Mark Sanchez came into when he was the quarterback of the Jets, where we didn't have the wide receivers. We didn't have the offensive line. We didn't have the running backs that you do see at USC. And so I am worried um, about Darnold, but the difference here is that Darnold doesn't have to come in and be the starter day one. Um, We still do have Josh McCown. We still do have uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who are guys who I think will start off early in the season. Um, and take some of the pressure off of Darnold while he learns how to really play this game. Okay, okay, that's a that's a good way to look at it. Now let's look at the actual, the other picks that were made. Uh, you guys didn't have a second round pick. You jumped right into round three, and you decided to go on the defensive side of the ball. Nathan Shepard out of Fort Hayes State. What are your thoughts on on that pick? Because that was a bit of a surprise for me. Um, that was an interesting pick for me as well. Um, but we did need help on the defensive line, especially when you look at who we lost. I mean, we did lose Mo Wilkerson last year. We let up Sheldon Richardson go to the uh, Seahawks, and so it was imperative that we focused on that defensive line, which has been a strength through many of the years past. Um, Nathan Shepard is a raw talent. He's a guy that um, he's huge, good size, and he's a guy that I do believe will be able to have an impact but it's not going to be an early impact that we'll see this season. Um, He only had about 10 sacks in the last three years, so he's not somebody that's going to rush the the quarterback, but he is somebody that I do believe will be good in run support, especially with his size. So, I mean, I'm excited to see what he'll bring along, 
is somebody who could have went a little bit earlier, but he's definitely a right the right pick at the right time. Okay, and then you guys look like you try to make a uh, a replacement at tight end. You go with in a in round four, you go with Chris Herndon. I'm probably saying it wrong. Is it Herndon or Herndon or I don't know from Miami tight end. Uh, you yeah. guys had a lot of production from Seraphin Jenkins last year. He's going to be going. What yeah. are you expecting? What are you expecting out of this guy here out of Miami? Um, this is actually it's interesting because Herndon is a guy who's very athletic, but he was injured last season, hurt his knee. Um, coming into this season, it looks like we have Clive Wolford, we have Herndon, we have Eric Tomlinson, who's still a good blocking tight end with some receiving with some receiving ability. And we still do have last year's selection in Jordan Leggett, who I believe will be the odd man out coming in. Um, it's it's a crowded tight end field, and we also had to get weapons for Darnold. Um, I think they will see this moving forward, especially in next year's draft. The focus is going to be surrounding Darnold with as much talent as he can. Um, this is a guy who he won't light up the league, in my opinion, but he'll be a good, solid production at tight end. Okay, that's fair. And you guys finished the draft with three six-round picks. Now, any of these guys you feel like will make an impact? You have uh, Perry Nickerson out of Tulane, cornerback. Uh, you have Trenton Cannon, running back out of Virginia State. And then out of Connecticut, you have a defensive lineman, Florenzo uh, Fatukasi. Yeah, Foley Fatukasi. Yeah, Fatukasi. Um, so, actually, there's two guys out of the sixth round that I really do like. Perry Nicholson is a little bit small, but his ball skills are amazing. He's going to be a guy that could come in and probably play right away. If I'm Buster Screen, I'm looking over my shoulder because, in all honesty, this guy can play ball. And you also have Jordan Clark, who we didn't see a lot of last season. So it leaves some room, but Buster Screen should be worried about what Perry Nicholson could do because I believe that he's a guy that could come in and play in that slot almost right away. Another guy that I really, really, really love is Trenton Cannon out of Virginia State. This is this guy who's undersized at 190 pounds, but he is a sleeper. The guy's quick. He can catch out of the backfield. He's another one of those guys that I believe that he'll have that, um, oh, man. Um, wow, it's escaping me right now, but the running back from uh, Philadelphia. Um, oh, you're talking that- about uh- – he was just drafted. Darren Sproul. You know what? Yes. Darren Sproul. He'll have that oh, Darren, Darren Sproul impact, you know, um, a small guy who's quick, shifty, can catch out of the backfield, can run. And mm-hmm. this is what we need. We need those electric weapons now to really let this uh, Jets offense go. So I'm excited about those two guys. I mean, I do believe that Foley Fadakusi is another – Fadakasi, excuse me, is another guy that, I mean, he can be good, but I, I'm especially excited about Perry Nickerson and Trenton Cannon. I'm I'm a little surprised, you know. Obviously, looking at the Jets team, and and don't get me wrong, they did a great job last year with the talent they did have. Uh, Robbie Anderson's your uh, your number one receiver. Why wasn't there any concern about possibly getting another wide receiver in the draft? I was really expecting that from the Jets. Why do you feel like they didn't go that direction? Um, so the draft, especially at wide receiver, seemed to be really thin. Um, giving up what we gave up so that we can get Darnold hurt us because we were not able to focus again on that wide receiver position in the second round. 
where there were a lot of guys still available, such as Cortland Sutton, uh, DJ Crick. Um, we had to wait until the third round, and quite frankly, in my opinion, looking at the talent that was there in the third round, it wasn't worth it to go after those kinds of wide receivers. Another thing to focus on is that we still do have um, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Anunua, Jermaine Curse, uh, Terrell Pryor. These are names that, I mean, it's a really, really crowded wide receiver room right now with 17 wide receivers on the roster, and we have to get down to about six or seven when the season comes along. So I don't know if it would be right for us to focus on a third-round wide receiver, but hopefully that's something that the Jets do look into next season with some um, good talent coming around in the first and second round. Okay, so overall, what are your thoughts on the Jets draft? Like, if you have to give it a letter grade, who do you feel like they deserve? Um, overall, I do believe that the Jets got a B on this draft. Now, Sam Darnold, he was the best quarterback on the board, so that's definitely an A. But focusing on, you know, Nathan Shepard and Perry Nickerson, Trenton Cannon, these are guys that, frankly, I mean, they're raw talent. They're not really there yet. They won't have an impact this season. But if they do boom, these guys are going to boom big. Um, so we'll have to be patient as Jets fans. That's not something that New York is really known for. But we got to trust the process, and hopefully the process will lead us to the promised land. We're getting basketball references and football for the New York Jets. This is, <laughs> this is real. And you know what? I respect it. Uh, thank you, as always, Claude. You always give great responses when you come to the Jets. And let me be the first to say on air, congratulations. It's going to be a married man, you know, oh, obviously. Boy. So I had to put it out there, all right, man? <laughs> thank you, brother, man. I appreciate it. I want to take the time to thank everybody for tuning in to uh, today's show. Special thank you to uh, Claude LaRoche, Dan Talouise for giving us their thoughts on Saquon Barkley as well as Sam Darnold and just what they're going to do in the future with these two franchises who I feel like made the right decisions to move forward and start rebuilding because that's really the point they're at. Uh, remind everyone, as always, sportssocialpod.com for more information at Ed Easton Jr. on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to check those out. And uh, until next time, this is Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio as well as iHeartRadio. Radio.